0: Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection
1: of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business.
0: Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to be talking about creating a greener world, current issues in the areas of energy and sustainability, and the opportunities and challenges for women entrepreneurs and leaders in this space. We will be talking to an expert in this area, and it's my privilege and honor to be welcoming Joan Michelson to the show. Joan is an award-winning business and communications leader, public speaker, and host of the acclaimed podcast series, Green Connections Radio, which was chosen in 2015 as one of the top six podcasts by USA Today. On her podcast, Joan has engaging, insightful discussions with top innovators and leaders in the green and energy space, especially women. Her blogs can be seen in Forbes, Huffington Post, and The Atlantic. She has also been a featured guest on other podcasts and has blogs on Medium and LinkedIn as well, though most are on her website, greenconnectionsradio.com. Among her specialties are innovation, clean energy, sustainability, electric vehicles, corporate responsibility, leadership, STEM careers, business communications, and women in business. Joan is also the author of an upcoming book due out this summer, The Superwoman and Other Writings of Miriam Michelson, about Joan's great-great-aunt, who was a prominent reporter who personally kept the suffrage movement in the headlines interviewed Susan B. Anthony extensively, and was a best-selling fiction writer about women's empowerment. As an interesting aside, Joan is a descendant of three prominent siblings, Albert Michelson, who was the first American scientist to win the Nobel Prize for physics in 1907, Charles Michelson, who was FDR's White House communications director and press secretary, and Miriam Michelson, who literally kept the women's suffrage movement in the headlines as a reporter for the San Francisco Call, and the Philadelphia Inquirer. Joan, welcome to Paradigm Shift.
1: Thank you so much, Tina. I'm excited to be here.
0: And I'm thrilled to have you, so thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. So Joan, you're an award-winning communications leader, public speaker, and have an awesome podcast series called Green Connections Radio, and your mission is to help grow a a clean green economy where women have economic parity. can you please share with our listeners just a little bit about your background and the work that you do with individuals and companies?
1: Yeah thank you so much and uh, and for that uh, gracious introduction too you know I love the name of your show because oh, thank you <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Well, I'm an innovator too. And frankly, what I do is I also help people shift the paradigms and in a different way. So I'm helping them shift to solve social impact challenges. And that requires a diversity of leadership and a diversity of people at the table, uh, especially women. I mean, women are 50% of the population after all. Um, But women are natural innovators. I mean, women come from different backgrounds think differently, make choices differently. And in order to solve some of the country's most pressing challenges, which really are social impact, climate change, um, sustainability, etc., we need to have a diversity of voices at the table and we need to be innovating. So I interview women innovators in STEM fields on my podcast and women whose work intersects with it, like you. I loved having you on my show, by the way. Yeah, that
0: was, I, had a, I had a blast. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, it was great. And, and it's an interesting issue we talked about, and we'll get into it in the interview. But I also write for Forbes. And so what I'm talking to, who I'm talking to are successful innovators um, about the process of innovation, about how we can use that process to make the world a better place and how kind of getting into the nitty gritty of it, because it's not just high level of, you know, you need to, you know, have more confidence. It's like, well, what do you do when you're in the room? (laughs) You know, what do you do when you're faced with a decision or you're faced? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's on the ground stuff. Um, And sometimes, you know, it takes innovation just takes a slight shift in perspective. For example, I led the communications and co-led the sales and marketing for the electric car division of Chrysler, which is how I got into this space. I was in management consulting and journalism before. And I studied the market research and ended up creating a partnership with a major nonprofit that my boss looked at me when I came to him about it and said, you know, you're nuts. I don't get it. (laughs) And, you know, if you want to do it on your own time and your own dime, fine. But, um, you know, count me out. You know, I won't get in your way, but I'm not going to support it. Well, it turned out to be so successful that not only did he buy in, Chrysler adopted it for the whole company. So, but you have to do things differently. We did Hockey stick Growth by doing things differently. And by the way, speaking of being an innovator, I had never worked in the auto business. I did not have the word automotive or vehicle in my material. Um, And if I had, if they had posted a job and I had applied, I wouldn't have made it through the applicant tracking
0: system and they would never know my name. So, how did you do it? I mean, that's that's a really interesting point. And how did you end up transitioning into that business and how did you end up being successful?
1: I transit, well, I, you know, happenstance. I was at a meeting. Um, I had been, uh, make a long story short, I had met some people from North Dakota who were here in DC, and uh, some public policy stuff. I started doing some research. I ended up at a meeting, and I was talking to this person. I had no idea who it was. Turned out to be the president of Global Electric Motor Cars, which is this company. And uh, by the end of the discussion, we he said, uh, you know, I've had more good ideas from Joan in 15 minutes than I've had from anybody in years. And the next morning he called <laughs> and started recruiting me. And moved me, New York City girl, born and bred city girl, to Fargo, (laughs) North Dakota. Wow. So part of it is you have to be willing to take a risk. I mean, if somebody had told me that I'd be living in Fargo, North Dakota, I would think they were an octopus. I mean, (laughs) not happening.
0: Well, you also have to know when opportunity crosses your path, right? Because I think that that's a challenge for a lot of people that they're they say that they're willing and open to opportunities, but I think sometimes it's hard for people to see an opportunity uh when it crosses their path because it may not look like a traditional opportunity, right?
1: Well, and that's precisely right. And that's why I love the name of your show because it takes a paradigm shift. I mean, one of the things that I do with companies and with my coaching clients and in my mastermind groups is do that, is go is like um so, let me see if I can come up with an example that doesn't get into any hot water. So, I have a client who has um, been in a Fortune Five hundred company for many years, and she's brilliant and amazing and changing so many things about our world, particularly in the energy space. But she kept running into a resistance. And she would then she got an opportunity to create an innovation unit. But she was bitching and moaning about what role and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, hey, you got this, you created this, you have an opportunity. The, the fact that they haven't given you a title doesn't matter. You're controlling it. Right. Seize the moment to control it. You are de facto in this role. So just create it the way you want to create it, and the rest will follow or you'll have the evidence and the proof and the pudding to then go to them and say, Hey, I just, I already did this. And here are the metrics. And, and she was like, Oh, you know, cause we get stuck, you know, we get stuck in the corporate culture or we get stuck in the way things have been done. Now there are things that she knows the language, right? I don't know the language. So there are things that she knows that what I say she can then adapt to her audience. Here's another example with her. One of her main champions just left the company. But he's a high-level person. So I said, reach out to him. Tell him your challenge. He knows these people. He just left. So he knows the whole deal. He knows oh, yeah. he created this unit. Go talk. To him. Well, I don't know. I'm like, hello. <laughs> Yo, you have nothing to lose. He doesn't work there anymore. Right, right, exactly. So, and he's already told you that you're doing, you know, giving you kudos. So there's those kinds of interventions, and then with with consulting clients, I help them reach. Um, this is, there's there's a few different things. One is reach either the sustainability audience, like eco conscious audience, or to if they're in the eco conscious sustainability arena, help them spread their message in a way that gets across that isn't you know advertising in a more of a thought leadership way. I find that a lot of people know more than they know how to share, and they take it for granted. And frankly, I'm just as guilty of it. I mean, for many years, I didn't realize that, that my ability to communicate was unique. I just figured if I could do it, anybody could do it. And I didn't even register it as something unique. So people don't always know how much they know and how to share it. So for example, I have a client that's a terrific energy consulting firm, and, and he's brilliant bleeping masters at what they do. But um, they weren't really, what they're talking about is is this massive revolution going on in the economy and energy and sustainability that's changing everything from law to operations to the way you hire people to real estate. I mean, every aspect. and they would just kept getting stuck in the, you know, in the counting solar panels stuff when talking about it. And I was like, no, you have to go 80,000 feet up. We ended up writing 80% of a book. And wow. now, and I connected them, I do book coaching too, and I ended up connecting them with uh, some agents. And one of the top agents is now working with them to finish the book proposal that we started and to get them published. You know, so you, it's finding out what you know and packaging it in a way that that shows what you can do to reach to help you achieve your goals.
0: Well, this is all really great advice, and it, it's actually a great segue to my question for you about what you see as some of the biggest challenges uh, with respect to those individuals and organizations that you help in this area. You've touched upon. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about, um, you know, people getting stuck, for example, and also not really knowing what they know and knowing how to package it up and express it. Um, Innovation, I think, is obviously something that's really important to me. And we touched on that topic when you and I um, spoke together a number of months ago on your show. And obviously, it's a very important part of what you do um, what do you think are the particular challenges that you see, especially in the innovation space? I mean, I think one of the things you mentioned, for example, being able to get unstuck and to sort of see outside the tunnel. A lot of folks have tunnel vision, even if they don't realize they do. Um, and, and that and I'm sure a whole host of other things make innovation particularly challenging. What, what do you see as some of the other challenges in this area?
1: Well, I think that's a big one, and it shows up in many ways. So, it shows up by who they choose to have at the table for a brainstorming session. It sh- shows up in how they, what kind of input they seek, and what information they use with which to make a decision and which metrics. So, they usually don't have enough diversity at the table, and I don't just mean gender and ethnicity. I mean one of the biggest challenges in companies is hiring people like themselves. And I mean that in terms of background as well. I mean, my story at Chrysler is just the perfect example. If they had, you know, my boss, the president of the company said to me, um, it's precisely because you didn't come from the auto industry that you were so creative. And yet the system, you know, the hiring systems all favor these you know use applicant tracking systems and and people who are creative don't fit
0: into the structure of an applicant tracking system they have oh, they're track. often not part of the i mean it's it's often not part of the job description what is I, I, it, things like creativity and so forth when i at least in job descriptions for positions like for example that we look for in my firm or that you look for in corporate america you don't often see some of the very qualities and traits that are necessary for really pushing things like innovation, oftentimes those qualities and characteristics are not even part of the job description.
1: Exactly. Precisely. And in fact, they're even beyond the job description. It's the way the algorithm works of the applicant tracking system that gets in the way. Uh, it would have screened me out right in a heartbeat. It probably, you know, it might have even screened you out for that matter. Funny, by the way, my general counsel, I'd go to her with these, it was a woman, and I'd go to her with ideas and she'd go, Joni, my job is to say no. (laughs) Don't come to me first. It was really funny. But um, so that's part of it is we have to understand that diversity means a diversity of experience. I've done speeches where... I did a a keynote at a chamber of commerce a few years ago and I did this whole riff on the people who you interview, who you think won't fit in, hire them. The people who you think don't have, you know, don't match the actual credentials, but are cool people, hire them because those are the people who are going to be the spark. I mean, yes, I brought in cool ideas, but a lot of what I do is I, I become the spark. I right. go, well, hey, let's flip it over and turn it purple and see what we get and <laughs> we can tweak it to fit the market. But you have to be, part of it is confidence, but it's not just, it, not just confidence in how, uh, in your education or whatever. It's kind of not, you know, this fine line between, yes, you have to care what your colleagues think of you, but on the other hand, you can't let what they think of you get in the way of your opening your mouth there are ways to present ideas that challenge the status quo where you're neither a mouse nor a hammer and that's still hard for women especially because everybody has preconceived notions i mean the fact of the matter is still to this day unfortunately and the and the numbers not having changed of women in leadership bears this out women walk in being perceived as less competent and have to prove themselves competent.
0: Men be
1: proved as competent and they just have to prove themselves incompetent.
0: So so do you chalk that up, Joan, to preconceived notions about yes. women? But certainly, and you know, this is actually a great segue to the question I was going to ask, which is what are the particular challenges that women have in this space and generally in the business world? So there's a certain element of this that is preconceived notions, but what's causing these preconceived notions?
1: Past experience, I mean, I think part of it has to do with um, how, what their background was. I mean, obviously, um, younger generations have grown up with more of their mothers and aunts and sisters in the workforce, but it's amazing to me how much that still doesn't change the what happens in the room in a business meeting, because there are still a lot of millennials who are either, um, you know, women who are choosing to stay home with babies, and there are uh, a lot of women who are in mid-career, in their, you know, 40s, 50s, even 60s, who have been passed over and passed over and passed over, and now uh, their expertise is becoming much more valuable, so they have even more of a role to play at the table. So you have to have diversity of age, you have to have diversity of experience, you have to have diversity of cultural orientation, and I don't just mean ethnic, I mean city versus rural, right? Right. Um, you know, I was a city girl in Fargo, you know, how much of a more blatant example do you mean? <laughs> so, you know, I'm born and raised in New York City, so it's like being born and raised in Chicago, right? So right, so- Exactly. So what you what women there's 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 responsibility all around. There's the hiring process. There's who makes those decisions. There's systems for trying to eliminate as much bias as you can, although it's impossible to eliminate all of it. Um, and there's how women frame it and what they do and the relationships. You know, it's really interesting. Women build networks differently. I'm I have I'm writing a book about women's careers, and I'm probably going to alienate a whole lot of people that I know because I have a chapter on it called The Failure of Women's Networking
0: Groups. Oh, that's interesting because, because, because people always say that women are great at networking.
1: Well, they're not. Women are <laughs> great at creating um, a small group of close girlfriends who they bitch with and go shopping with. But women do not know how to convert, then I'm generalizing because you and I are very different in this regard, for example. But most women don't know how to convert a relationship into a deal. And a lot of times, people who are who don't know how to negotiate with a woman, when you do that, they're like, oh, how come you don't, you know, it's like, I've, you know, I know people who have known very famous people for many, many years, and I'll leave the names out of it for the moment. And I was like, well, you know, they're complaining to me about something. I'm like, well, why don't you go to so-and-so? Oh, I can't put that in the relationship. I'm like, you've known them for 40 years. <laughs> you know, you've been to the, you know, you've these are people you have dinner with twice a week. It's like, what are you talking about? Well, you think they'd sort of be offended if you didn't talk to them about it? It's like, give me a break. So women have this push and pull of it, it's like we women tend to put boundaries where there shouldn't be and not put boundaries where there should be i think is a good way to put it so for example when when you're sitting in a room and some jerk says something stupid you don't necessarily have you don't blowing up at that person is not going to help sometimes dead silence is the most valuable
0: because yeah yeah can- yeah yeah the dead silence and the glare
1: yeah exactly um also what you can do is you can have people other people in the room who pipe in if it's something they said against you or you can say you know thank you Sam I appreciate that and then you just get back to the subject you know and you just like ignore it or you just right. ignore it altogether and go back to the subject and pretend it was never said like looking past them like they don't exist Um, but then there's the boundaries of asking for money, you know, but it's not just, you know, I've been here X number of years, I deserve it. Here are the metrics of what I accomplished. Here's the money I raised. Here's the clients I served. Here are the cases I won. Here are the, you know, the, the patents I secured. Here are the X, Y, and Z. And, and measure it, go in with a case where you deserve what you're asking for because you've earned it and you, based on the same metrics of anybody else, not just because you've been there a while. And so women have a tendency to put boundaries like, oh, well, I can't do that when they can, or they don't put boundaries enough when somebody, you know, steps on them and they don't pull them aside afterwards and go,
0: you know, that was really dumb. (laughs) So why do you think? So I, I mean, I, I there there's so much I want to talk about with you, and our our first segment is 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 blowing by quickly. But you know, let's just finish this up, because I actually had a very similar conversation with a number of my colleagues at McDermott yesterday about women and either their effectiveness or lack thereof at business development. So it's very much the same conversation we're having right now. And one of the things that came up was just this discomfort of asking make, you know, the discomfort of making the ask. And also this tendency of women to try to make a point or making a point and then immediately backpedaling by, by, by saying something else that makes it sound almost like they're apologizing. Do you know what I mean?
1: Oh, I do. And it's so annoying. <laughs> oh my God. You just, you know, I have to tell you, there are times when I'm sitting in a room and that happens and Tina, I just stick a pen in my mouth because <laughs> I know I'm going to say something that is just like, why are you doing that to yourself? They, they dismiss it. It's like saying, making a pitch that's really successful or, you know, makes a, gives metrics, whatever. And then saying something like, oh, but I know you don't have the budget for this. Right. Or, I mean, it's like, hello, shut up. You know, it, it, part of it is knowing when to shut your mouth, and part of it is knowing how to say things and when to say things, but it's also choosing the right person to say it to. In other words, let's say someone from your firm is pitching um cranes, just for an example of a company mm-hmm. I know in Boston. I mean in Chicago. So they you go in and you build relationships with people, and you comment on what they do. It's like, frankly, I get people who pitch me all the time with stuff that has zero to do with what I cover, right. And I love when they say, "Oh, I love your work," which is generic." And then they pitch me, you know, something that has nothing to do with the price of tea in China. And I'm like, "No. You obviously know nothing about what I do. <laughs> um, but so you have to do your research. If you go in there and you say, you know, I see that you're wrestling with figuring out how to how the you know how the financials can work in a market in an industry that is shifting away from subscribers now, but you've got all this IP. So let's talk about how you might be able to leverage that IP in a different way to help your bottom line. That's completely different, right? Rather than, you know, or just, you know, if it's somebody that you're meeting at a cocktail party or a networking event or a conference, you know, listen to what they're saying at that event and then say, you know, oh, I hear you're, it sounds like you're wrestling with X, Y, and Z. How are you dealing with that now? What are the solutions that are working for you now? And where are your frustrations? And hear what they're saying. And actually, God forbid, respond to what they're saying. Don't just come (laughs) in with your... You know, every, just because you're a hammer, everything isn't a nail. Right. Okay. Sometimes I do a lot in thought leadership, but sometimes thought leadership is not the answer. Sometimes, you know, it's something else. It's their sales system or whatever. Right. Right. So you have to understand when you build the relationship. And a lot of these women, it's funny. It's like they... They're okay talking to people when there's no investment on the line. But if they feel they, that they want to eventually get something from that person, the whole, their whole presence changes. And that's what needs to shift. The women need to just be who they are. But they need to be trained on what to say to whom, how, when, and why.
0: So as we actually close out our, our, our first segment here, I'm going to pick up on that thread and just say, you know, and ask you the question. So how you've given some great tips, you've identified some important issues. Um, how do you work with women um, to overcome these barriers? Some of which are um, just the way that businesses run and are barriers that they haven't created for themselves, but, as, as we've been talking about, some of these are barriers that, that women sometimes throw up in their own path. How do you help? In the, in the course of your work, how do you help women identify and overcome these barriers? Carefully, <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest with you.
1: I mean, and part of it, frankly, there are legal issues in, in this because... Um, one of the things that you and I talked about, you know, a lot of times people suggest having a side hustle to help you build confidence and build an outside revenue or whatever, or build your reputation in, in other ways. But as you and I discussed on my podcast, and you were great about it, is, you know, there are legal issues with your side hustle. Your your employer may still own it. Right. So, um, you know, part of it is giving helping them identify other ways to prove to themselves how much they know. Part of it is um, helping them leverage the platform that their employer gives them to share content that demonstrates what they know. So, for example, writing a blog on their company website. Um, some of it, or and going into their PR people and saying, hey, you know, I would like to do more public speaking, so when so-and-so and so-and-so can't go, call me. Or if you need a woman to talk about X, you know, send me or whatever, you know, what kinds of things are you getting and where can I fit in? So put yourself out there and don't go in like a bull in a china shop. Just go in and say, hey, you know, grab coffee with somebody, get them out of their office. Um, So what I do is I coach people on these issues and I have have mastermind groups too, which is great because we help each other. And I use a lot of the tools in my mastermind groups that I use in private coaching. and some of them are like I have a client uh, questionnaire that I start everybody off with that that frames who they are and what they do and the value they bring in a different way than they're used to makes them I ask questions that make them think differently about who they are and what they can do. Um, I had a guest on my show recently who said, it's about the person you want to be. And I find that a lot of professional women, uh, especially if they're working in a big company or a big law firm or something like that is I know cause I've done it right. I mean, besides Chrysler, I worked at American Express and Deloitte. I mean, you want to talk about big companies, you know? Yep. <laughs> so I used to make jokes that, you know, you work for a big company when they have to take over Madison square garden for the Christmas party. And that's just the New York office. Right. That's
0: pretty so, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty. Weird.
1: So, it's easy to contort. It's easy. The, the 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 structure, the workplace structure, was created by men for men, and I understand it. But it's about belief and time. It changed. So instead of contorting to fit in, we have to just figure out how to be ourselves in a way that shifts the paradigm. That shifts the thinking in the room at the time and uses the metrics that they're measuring success by to prove ourselves worthy of what we're looking for and just seize the space, own the space. Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes it's becoming a personal shopper. Sometimes, I mean, I've had executives call me and say, hey, you know, we just hired this fabulous woman who's brilliant and blah, blah, blah. She has no style, but she's going to have to talk to the press and she's going to have to be out there. Can you help? Mm-hmm. And I end up helping them with their outward appearance, which often not to be too girly about it because it, it works from the outside in. When mm-hmm. you feel good about what you look like, anybody, male or female, you, you present yourself differently. And it's more important for women because let's face it, you know, There is this thing about women in looks, unfortunately. So it's multifaceted. Sometimes it's it's whatever they need. Sometimes it's their communication style. Sometimes it's getting to their next job and figuring out what that is. Sometimes it's, um, you know, like this client at the Fortune 500 company building a new innovation unit in her company. Sometimes it's writing a book. Sometimes it's, um, wanting to, uh, figure out what the next move is and maybe it's internal. Maybe you're, maybe they're just in the wrong seat, but they're in the right bus. Right. The Jim Collins phrase. So I work with people one-on-one coaching and consulting for individuals or in mastermind groups and mastermind groups can be for your business as well as for your um thing. So for example, one thing that you and I might do, just to put it out there, I don't know if you want this on your podcast, (laughs) but is to do a mastermind group with some of the people who you whose business development skills you want to grow. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that sounds great and I'm sure we'll talk more about it. We're essentially out of time. I mean one one of the one thing I wanted to do to sort of tie off what we were just talking about is I I think your work is wonderful and I think that whether it's women or men, I I think that as you progress in your career and really in your own personal life, it's really important to not only feel like you have a a mechanism or an avenue to really express who you are, but you also need to find a way and, and, and this is a continual process to be self-aware. And I think that those are really critical pieces to bringing the authenticity to the table and to the situation that we've been talking about in this segment.
1: You're absolutely right. And I'm glad you said that. It's funny because self-awareness is usually like one of the first things that I say. So I'm delighted that you use the phrase. And that's kind of the underpinning to what I was talking about, is you have to know how you sh- how people how you show up to people and what the reality is so for example sometimes i'll hear myself and i'll say i'll feel like i'm talking really loudly and i'll just say that i go oh wow i feel like i'm talking really loudly sorry about that you know or i hear this weird thing in my voice sorry about that you know or if i'm like really exhausted and the new york edge comes that is going to come out more i just say just fair warning i'm really tired so if i sound you know cranky it's not you it's because i'm tired
0: (laughs) right right
1: so part of it is that and 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 we all lack some self-awareness nobody's perfect nobody knows i mean i'm sure you know i and you and everybody who's listening comes off to people in ways that we don't know but that's you know why we have to ask and just be who we are and treat people as peers no matter what level they're at no matter what their background is no matter how different from you they are um especially um, one of the things that, that you and I have kind of touched upon is the fact that we have a multi-generational workforce. No matter what age group they're with, you have people that are adaptable at every age and people who have value at every age and experience that's different that can inform something. So openness, humility, but be confident in what you know and do what you need to do to make, help yourself feel more comfortable. And a lot of that is self-awareness and also making sure that you have whatever, you know, you need to have. Sometimes I just have some of my clients go back and read your bio or go back and read your resume to remind themselves of what they've accomplished.
0: Well, this has been amazing. Um, You've given great advice, a lot of really interesting and provocative Um, topics and facets to our conversation that we're going to pick up in our next segment. So do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners and where can they find you?
1: So my website is greenconnectionsradio.com and connections is plural. We are doing a survey to rename the show, so I'd love everybody's input, and they can enter to win a free coaching or consulting session. If you, um, but it has to be done asap because we're going to be drawing for a name soon. Sign up on our website for our weekly newsletter, which gives uh, they'll get access to uh, they'll have our podcast show up in their inbox, and also um, I write for Forbes, so they'll get Forbes, and they'll also get information about our mastermind groups and consulting. They can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, if you do reach out to me on LinkedIn, please include a note and tell me that you heard about me on Tina's show on Paradigm Shift. Um, I really, it makes a huge difference when you reach out to people on LinkedIn and, and make, give a note. So uh, greenconnectionsradio.com and iTunes, anywhere you listen to, like to listen to podcasts. And I just want to say, Tina, thank you for what you do because you really, you bridge this interesting Uh, world of innovation and the legal world and women and creativity that is just so, and business, it's just so important and so um, necessary that it's really giving a voice to issues that don't usually get a voice. And I just applaud you for that.
0: Well, thank you so much, Joan. Right back at you. I'm just so happy We've had the opportunity to meet and get to know each other. And I look forward to continuing our conversation in the next segment and a lot of partnerships and friendship in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tina. I'm very excited. Thank you. And uh, we will be uh, chatting with you again next week. Okay, perfect. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.